Hi, welcome to Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees and lots of other things that we found out about becoming a lawyer and the people that do. Hi, I'm Ella. In the last episode of the podcast, we had a brilliant chat with legal apprentices Mayer and Tegan. They're in such different jobs, but they're both so happy that they turned down a spot at uni and at 18 took the apprenticeship route instead. So today, Georgie and I are getting all the facts about legal apprenticeships from Kerry Evans, who is a National Programme Director for Apprenticeships at the University of Law. Kerry, would you mind talking me through like the very basics of like what is an apprenticeship? Okay, so an apprenticeship is a way to qualify into a vocational job role. So you, if you want to be something, if you want to be a solicitor, then you would follow an apprenticeship called a solicitor apprenticeship. So it gives you the opportunity to pick up work skills and to train in the job that you want to ultimately qualify into. And in terms of kind of how that relationship works between uh, you, the training provider, the apprentice and then an employer, is it that an apprentice kind of applies to you guys and then finds an employer or do you apply to an employer and then the training is provided yeah so I think this is there's a bit of confusion around this always particularly with the with the apprentice uh, because they think that they apply to the provider to the university because that's how you would normally uh, complete a degree or, or you know any other form of training but actually with an apprenticeship you apply to the employer I guess that kind of illustrates the point that an apprenticeship or at least from I full disclosure I am an apprentice (laughs) um uh is first and foremost a job you know it's what you spend the majority of your time doing yeah and I think that that's an important point because if you go to university or you qualify into a vocational profession usually a student is very targeted at the assessment so you know this is the assessment I need to pass this is what I need to do to to pass that assessment but with an apprenticeship it's a lot bigger than that it's all about making you a really good employee that that's what it's meant to be about um and yes of course we've got to get you as a provider we've got to get you through those assessments your employer would expect that that's why they've taken us on but it has to be more than that and and that's why an apprenticeship is so good really it's all about you know fitting in with your employer not just teaching you towards an assessment it's a very very different sort of way of learning Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, And kind of as somebody who's experiencing that, that is exactly how I experience it. And would you be able to talk me through kind of the different schemes available? Because I know there's like slightly different levels of apprentice training available even within the legal profession within our package of of um apprenticeships we've got the solicitor apprenticeship which you know very well because you're on that program that's that's the full thing that's the full thing (laughs) and uh, you know lasts up to six years that's a long period of training but takes you from a level three to a level seven and, and that means it takes you from you know just finishing your education at 18 and it takes you right up to what would be a sort of a master's level qualification if you're looking at it from an academic point of view. Um, But then some people might already have got a degree. So actually some of the learning that you're going through currently, they don't need, they've already got it. In effect, they've already paid for it. So so we need to fast track them. So we've got something that we call a graduate apprenticeship as well. So we take them much further on and they may be a graduate in history, but they want to become a solicitor. So we have a slightly slightly shorter programme than the one that you're on. So three years would be a normal sort of period of time for that and they'll get some of the sort of legal theoretical knowledge that they need but they don't need to be taught things like 
analysis and evaluation, which you'll remember the painful mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. that you went through probably in your first couple oh, of years yeah. <laughs> of learning how to analyse things legally. Well, they they already know how to do that and can adapt their skill set. So we don't need to do that bit. And then we've also got some graduates that might have done a law degree. So actually quite a lot of that we don't need to teach them. So they've got an even shorter period of training. So really, it's not about the different um, apprenticeships. It's the same apprenticeship. It's just where do we put them? If you think about a sliding scale, you know, where do do we put that apprentice? And each apprentice might be put on that sliding scale in a very different place. One of the defining characteristics of an apprenticeship is that you are working and studying at the same time, but that is um, accommodated for within your working week. So apprentices have 20% protected time. Can you talk a little bit about how you find that works for apprentices in practice? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it is, as you say, uh, it's an 80-20 split. Now you can split it in lots of different ways. So you could, as you're doing, you're on a, a day release programme. So one day a week, you have that protected time. Um, some law firms just can't accommodate that. It, it's just not possible. Or actually the expense of it, particularly if we're taking on a graduate apprentice, you know, they have billing targets, they're able to to bring in value to the business and, and it just can't be accommodated. So um, they may be looking at a different structure to their 20%. So they may be looking at a structure of uh, maybe doing more study up front and then maybe having blocks of time. So that's another way that, that it can work. My personal experience is it is well understood within the business that one day a week I am not available. You know, I put an out of office on and I, it is not expected for me to respond that day. Um, but I can imagine that if you were in an environment where that hadn't, that, that wasn't comfortable and, you know, one day a week you were under a lot of pressure to be getting back to stuff that it would be really really difficult yeah absolutely it's something that we um for the for the sake of the apprentice we have to keep a really tight hold over as you know we we have yeah, a system totally. where we have skills coaches who come and review you on a regular basis and that's that's the main thing that they're checking and then on a weekly basis i check everybody's data you probably don't know this i'm like big brother in the background but i check <laughs> oh, oh, yes um <laughs> so i'm there checking data um and just just seeing you know what sort of time of day or night are people working on it it might be personal preference admittedly um but certainly we expect apprentices to work a standard working day on that off the job day if they're on the day release program um and if we can't see a standard pattern then that's an that's something that i would investigate with the firm because yeah absolutely all firms all organizations are told up front that that day is is needed and and i'm sure you must find that not only do you need that day, but maybe a little bit more as well? Out of interest, what's the data show? When do people study the most in the day? <laughs> we're, well, we're not too bad. Terry, feel free not to talk, talk about, about my data personally. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's not too bad to be honest. But I must admit, I think I don't think apprentices tend to look at the day as a standard working day. So they would maybe start at nine thirty rather than being in the office at eight thirty would be you know the norm for me with a with a normal law firm. So you tend to find a start a click in to Elite, which is our online platform. You tend to find it's a nine thirty start. Um, but then most will work on until about six o'clock. Um, so so I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, 
but I also think that a lot of that is as soon as we see a 10 o'clock at night study pattern, then the skills coach will go in and start talking about learning technique and ways that we can stop that from happening because that's just not healthy. And, and neither is it the way that the scheme should work. You know, the whole point is that it is meant to be a working day. It's just that you're going to use it for training rather than use it to, to create profit for the firm or organisation. So, um, so it is really important that we keep on top of that, which is why I do a weekly check. We were talking to Tegan and May on the last podcast yeah. and we were just saying how at the start when you first have your study days sometimes you'll find yourself procrastinating through the whole day you'll get to about seven o'clock in the evening and you're like oh, I've got all this studying to do and but you you start getting into the rhythm actually using that day because you're like well if I'm not using it I you know you really do need to use it and you find it so helpful and when I was doing my apprenticeship I had that study day and it was an absolute godsend because now yeah, that I'm not yeah. doing my apprenticeship oh, you definitely need it yeah, yeah. now I'm not yeah. doing it I'm u- having to use my own time so once I finish my long day I'm then having to do that you know, in the evenings, I'm using that two, three hours of study. So it is, it's really beneficial to have. I think one of the nice things about an apprenticeship, which is sort of what Elle was touching on as well, is I think your well-being is really taken into account because employers and training providers know that if you are starting out of college, just having done your A-levels, that you are an 18-year-old and you are trying to navigate the workplace for the first time. We're doing a proper law degree, you know, it's hard work. You're just learning to adult, you're just starting. Exactly, and you're just learning to adult, 100%. And so I think that one of the really nice things about doing an apprenticeship is that they're very often very well supported. And I think you can really feel that as an apprentice. Um, and also that it's a, it's such a fantastic way of doing studying alongside work because like L, lots of people do do qualifications alongside work, but just have to work a full five-day week instead of it being kind of a supported intrinsic part of what they do um could, would you mind talking about the kind of the different organizations that offer apprenticeships because you know you've talked a bit about firms but it's not just law firms that offer solicitor apprenticeships is it so 25 percent of our apprentices haven't come from traditional solicitors firms so they come from local authorities charities um, internal commercial organisations. So we've got pharmaceutical companies. Uh, we've got um, large research companies. Um, you know, that we've got um, uh, accountancy firms. And then you might think, well, 25% is not that much. But the, of the other 75%, we've got a really good mix of small high street firms, again, who couldn't traditionally pick and choose who they took they had to wait for for solicitors to become qualified or just not be able to progress their own internal staff because they hadn't got the finance to do it so we've got a lot of high street firms now who are able to offer apprenticeships and of course we've also got the commercial organizations and i think um we are going to go we're going down the route of levy sharing before long which is a totally new area but for those organizations who can't afford to get involved still so some firms and organizations have to pay only a small amount towards um their apprenticeship towards the apprenticeship training but still it's too much for them so for example law centers find it very difficult to put apprentices on an apprenticeship scheme. But a levy sharing scheme now means that organisations can share their levy with law centres. So we've got our first law centre in Liverpool has just sent us five apprentices and they're all being sponsored by a very large company. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Yeah, which is brilliant. Absolutely. You know, for people listening to this who might be thinking about wanting to go into an apprenticeship, fantastic news that 
you know, it's really worth thinking about looking at different organisations and really exploring your options. Because I think what really came out in our chat with um, Tegan and Maya is that it's so important to find the right employer for you. And, you know, the three of us, the four of us had had such different experiences of what we'd done in different organisations. And each of us loved what we We did. But maybe (laughs) if you'd like swap, yeah, like really love what we do. But like if you'd swapped us out between each other, maybe we wouldn't be so happy at all. And that it's really worth like doing your research, thinking really carefully about like, what is it that I, do I want to be in a big city? Do I want to stay closer to home? What sort of work do I want to do? What sort of environment do I want to be in? Do I like the idea of like commercial pressure? Do I like the idea of like working in-house, knowing my, really knowing my client? Like, what is it that you like, sounds really appealing to you? Um, Because it's a long scheme, you know, it's six years and you need to, it's, you need to try and do your best to make sure that it is. Yeah, 100% I'm with you. To to make sure it's it's the right option for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. You know, the the one of the biggest questions I get asked, certainly if what I used to do a little bit going into schools, talking about apprenticeships and, and the uh, potential apprentices would say, how much can I earn? And I go, that's not the question you should be asking. The question you should be asking is, what sort of person are you? Are you mature enough yet to be an apprentice? Because working and studying is not easy. And at 18, you need to be mature enough to do that. I wouldn't have been an apprentice because I just wasn't. I, it, it just wouldn't have worked for me I wouldn't have been in that position um but having thought about that am I mature enough then you have to think what what are my principles where can I see myself working project yourself ahead five six ten years time where would you like to be and then look at those employers um because more and more certainly in our sector more and more apprenticeships are becoming available you do have a lot more choice so don't don't just think oh there's one I'll go for that because six years as you know Georgie is quite a long time to be with an employer if you don't like them um so you know be looking for the sort of employer that you would be interested in working for the sort of work I was talking to somebody the other day and they were in um, marine um, insurance and and working in the in the sort of marine area and I thought gosh yeah that would have really interested me because that's a real mm-hmm. niche area that I would have liked to have got involved yeah. in but nothing yeah. like that was available when I you know when I qualified that you just couldn't get a training contract and that sort of work you qualified first and then started and to then yeah you'd across. move into it or yeah. try to move into it but now you've got all these sorts of um, options available to you so definitely spend the time you know this is this is your life isn't it if you go into an apprenticeship it's your life so you spend enough time researching it working out where you want to go and then start to target those sorts of firms organizations or whatever yeah and it's also about confidence as well like not feeling like you need to jump at the first thing that you see and think oh that's my only option like there's just remember that there's loads of options out there um you touched on pay there and I know that it's not the most important thing but it is great being paid to be honest like <laughs> oh, you do absolutely. like you do get paid to get a degree and and it, it goes back to that original point that I was making of like it is fundamentally a job which is why you get paid because you should be paid for your job um but like you do get paid and that is fantastic would you, but you do good like, job that's the other yeah, thing exactly. you know you do yeah. of course you should be paid you're doing a good job but how much okay well it does vary as you would expect there is a minimum apprenticeship salary which none of our employers will will pay it, it's it's quite a low salary so our average will always pay we require our employers to pay the living wage um but on average our our apprentices will earn in their first year about 17,000 and then going up from there you might have apprentices earning well into their 30s by the time they hit year 3 you know they, they might have a good 
good amount of experience and so yeah. they're being rewarded for having that so um so yeah it's it's not a particularly low paid job um that, that you'd be entering into do your research 100% what will fit you and and you know if money is a big driver for you then accept that and be looking yeah, for it and, and identify absolutely. that um, yeah. because as I say that engagement is needed so if you're on a low salary and and because of that you're not engaged in the program well that there really is no point in you continuing you won't get to the end of it yeah absolutely um, would you be able to kind of talk through like some of the other benefits involved in just like being an apprentice other than you know you get paid yeah <laughs> okay so um Obviously, you have your training paid for you, so you would be qualifying without any debt, uh, which mm-hmm. is a massive thing at the moment. You know, you, you could be in debt up to 60,000, and depending where you go to university, it could be more than that. Um, so that's one of the main reasons. Obviously, you get paid, but I think the main the main reason for picking a, up an apprenticeship is that you. Uh, going into a job role and an apprenticeship from an employer point of view, you should only be starting an apprenticeship. And this is one of the questions we ask employers at the start. Do you have a job role for this apprentice at the end of their apprenticeship? Now, if the Mm -hmm. answer to that is no, then they shouldn't be taking anybody on. So if you think about that from the apprentice's point of view, that's a massive thing, isn't it? One of the the hardest things to do at the end of a degree is to find a job. So, So actually to start on a training program which you're not going to have to pay for which you're going to get a salary all the way through and there will be a job at the end as long as you don't do anything ridiculous while you're working within that job role you know that that's that's the biggest benefit yeah oh you are absolute living testimony to that like fact that like there is a job at the end of of apprenticeships or there should be a job at the end of apprenticeships do you want to just talk a little bit about because you did a level three apprenticeship which we haven't actually touched on yeah so I started at the same time as you, didn't I, Georgie? We actually had our first, uh, yeah. we did the same application and had the same introduction day, which was really nice. Um, and so we both started on the level three, uh, Silex, and we did the two initial years mm-hmm. of it. And at that point, I had come straight from my A-levels and I just had exam after exam and it just got too much at that point. And I needed a break. So I spoke to the employer and well, I spoke to the BBC and said, you know, look, is it possible for me to stop at this point? And they said, yeah, you know, of course it is. We're not going to press you into it. And also you'd yeah. finished your scheme. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, like you, you'd finished had, your scheme. I had done the exams like, and I passed, you'd... which was great. So um, then I decided to have a little break and they I managed to secure a job within the BBC, within one of the teams that actually had a placement in. And I've been there ever since and since I've had a promotion and um, it's everything that I wanted it to be. And I've actually started studying again. So I'm working towards my my SQE and um, going towards the solicitor again. So there's there's no clear path but it, it does work out which has been great yeah um Kerry I know that you know there's many apprentices as there are different people and there's you know it's a really there's obviously going to be a massive variety but in terms of kind of broad patterns what do you see in you know the apprentices that are really successful and doing really well in their firms or in their organizations what do you see in them and kind of what would you advise people thinking about applying for an apprenticeship to think about Uh, Well, I think initially you do have to be honest with yourself. I've touched on this previously. You have to be mature enough to pick up an apprenticeship. It's not for everybody. One hundred percent. It's not uh, because it's hard work, particularly at 18, um, you know, or or younger potentially. Um, So think very carefully about that. But also, are you enthusiastic about the job role? You know, is this something? and, And I suppose this does come in from the maturity as well. 
do you definitely know that you want to be a solicitor? Because once you start on certainly something like a solicitor apprenticeship, it's a long programme. And yes, of course, you can step off from it, but it doesn't give you any credits towards anything else. So you do have to think very carefully about it. And then when you're thinking about your um, any skill sets that would be beneficial, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, good uh, English language skill sets and good communication skill sets are useful. But all of that can be trained so that it's not absolutely essential. You know, that that's something that we can stretch you on once you start on the apprenticeship. But what we can't do is to stretch your engagement with the programme. So if you start something and, you know, I have come across this rarely, but a few times where somebody thinks either, well, I'm not sure if I want to do this, but I'll, I'll see how it goes or I'm too good for this, I shouldn't be doing this, either of those sort of uh, sides of things, very difficult to train somebody then um, because they're not engaged in the programme. So I think, you know, being prepared for what is, this is not an easy apprenticeship. You know, for the solicitor apprentices, the one that you're on, Georgie, you know, I think the, the length of it, it's a constant stream of new law that you're being taught. It's hard work for the graduates, they're going in for SQE, which is a new assessment. Ella heard you say that you're preparing for it, you know. Um, so it's not an easy option to go for. So I think that engagement, you know, and the enthusiasm, that's one thing about you, George. Whenever I see you, I just feel this <laughs> blast of enthusiasm coming out of you. I love it, you know, I'm going for it. And and that's brilliant. And that's exactly what you need to have. Um, so more than any skill set, really, I would say it's the enthusiasm or the engagement for the programme and knowing that what you're doing and what you've put yourself up for is exactly what you want to go ahead and do yeah and absolutely I would totally agree with that and I also think that if you are thinking oh I'm not sure a six-year program straight out of college is something I can face have a look at shorter apprenticeships because the the level three paralegal apprenticeship that Ellen and I started off on is just a two-year course and it was fantastic I, I total total disclosure I would never ever have applied for the solicitor apprenticeship straight out of college because I don't think I was mature enough I don't think I was kind of ready for that like experience at all and I don't think my head was in a place where I could have thought like d- committed to six years worth yeah. of my life no, I, I totally agree and especially with the law because I think um, nobody can tell you how boring some days can be <laughs> you know it's not suits it's just not and yeah. um suits is probably an old-fashioned oh, no. one now isn't it I yeah. don't know what the, no, no, the new I, no, is that I, still is no. that still okay okay um I'm still down with kids that's great yeah um but you know some days are just boring you know I, yeah. in my own practice really boring days and then some real high day you know yeah. overnighters it sounds exciting eating pizza at two o'clock in the morning but actually you know when you're killed over a contract at three o'clock and you're negotiating a clause that you no longer understand with the other side solicitor and and you just want to cry (laughs) exactly you know yes of course it's a very fulfilling job role but it's not like you know it's not exciting every day and so I think a two-year you know short blast of this is what it's going to be like if you stay with this employer no harm in that whatsoever is there it really gives it it really opens your eyes and I suppose if you are thinking about embarking on a six-year 
programme and you haven't got any experience of a law firm, try and get some work experience so that you can see what that firm actually does or that organisation does. Mm. Um, you know, you, you can end up in so some job roles just wouldn't be for individuals. We've been talking about that earlier. Well, you know, how do you know whether what's for you if you haven't even tried it or seen it? I think that's really good advice. Um, there's one thing that I really want to kind of make clear to everybody listening, Kerry, is the just when you get to the end of your solicitor apprenticeship, you're qualified as a solicitor. Is there any difference between a solicitor that qualifies to an apprenticeship and a solicitor that qualifies in the more traditional went to uni, did the LPC and did a training contract route? Um, the only difference will be that you'll have a much greater skill set because you've been working in your job role. You know, there is there's no moulding to be needed for you, Georgie. You're going to no. be there. Day one solicitor, you're ready for it. You know exactly what your, your organisation wants from you. Um, with respect to somebody else working towards assessments and, and finishing qualifying as a solicitor after SQE2, they then need to find a job role and then fit into that 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 workspace. So um, no, absolutely no different. You won't be seen as anything different. And my, if I was to put a bet on it, I think apprentices will become very valuable to firms. Kerry, so if somebody listens to this and they think, that sounds amazing. Oh my gosh, I want to earn money, get paid to get a degree and, you know, work, do interesting work. Um, how do they go about it? What's like their next step? What's the first thing they should be doing? Okay, so they've done their research. They've decided the sorts of firm that they want. There isn't an easy way of doing this. There isn't one website that you'll go on and you'll find all of the legal apprenticeships that are available in England, unfortunately. Uh, but there are websites out there that you can go on to that you can find a list of, of apprenticeships. So um, All About Apprenticeships website, for example, that's one of them. UCAS has got a, a page there on apprenticeships. So that's worth looking at. Um, but if you've done your research, you might, for example, you might decide, I want to go into commercial law. So I want to go into a commercial firm. Well, do some research. Are you prepared to move? Are you going to move around England or are you just going to stay in the area that you are currently living in? In which mm -hmm. case, do some research on the commercial firms in your area. Send mm -hmm. them a letter. There is absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. You know, a lot of employers will pick up on that and see some confidence in there. And as long as you haven't got any typos, yeah. um, then they may well be yeah, very impressed by it. <laughs> yeah, watch your grammar. Absolutely. Get it checked by somebody before it goes out. Um, but yeah, you know, get this an apprenticeship program is a really, really good scheme. And if, if you've decided that you want to do it, you're going to have to put a bit of effort in in getting one. That was Kerry Evans, National Programme Director for Apprenticeships at the University of Law. But we don't really need convincing about apprenticeships, do we now, Georgie? Absolutely not. No, we are both a little bit passionate about how good apprenticeships are and how much they can do we for are. you. We are the fangirls of apprenticeships. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit sad when you say it like that, but it is true. Like, we both are just massive fans of them because they've done so much for us. Like, you know, we both keep saying that we just wouldn't, we wouldn't, be doing what we do now at all in any way if it wasn't for our apprenticeships yeah, totally like what for you was the best moment in your apprenticeship so far and I know you're on your fifth year so there's probably a lot of moments oh, but gosh. can you narrow it down I got to go to sports personality of the year and accidentally ended up with a VIP ticket <laughs> Amazing. And, uh was in like the bit the like bit behind the scenes where there's like you know 
catering and then got to walk over where and it was raining it was in Birmingham I think and it was such a bougie event that for the little bit that you walk from like where the like pre-meat catering bit was to where the act- they were actually recording in the arena they like handed out umbrellas and then collected them back up again afterwards for you to walk like a hundred meters and there was paparazzi so I got papped hilarious absolutely hilarious um what else was really good I got to be part of the Next Generation Committee. It's given me the opportunity to get involved in so many different, you know, interesting, fun things. Yeah, what about you? Yeah. What's been your favourite thing about it? it? It's hard to narrow down. Isn't it? Um, I think when I worked in Children in Need for eight months and I got to go to um, one of their events and I got to dress yeah. up as Pudsy, that was quite fun. <laughs> Really fun. I mean, yeah. walking around in like a six foot costume yeah. in a sweltering hot day is not the best idea, but it was fun all the time. Oh, you know, you got to pretend you're a bear and wave at kids and yeah. dance around. It was, I, yeah, that was I great. I can imagine you were absolutely cracking at that. Uh, yeah, I think I should have done it full time, really. Do you think you found your calling in life, maybe? I, I do, to be a pudsy bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coming up in the next few weeks are Not All Lawyers. We're going to meet Sonia Jamde, General Counsel at Viva Investors, who took yet another route to her legal qualification, starting as a legal secretary and then qualifying as a legal executive. And we'll be finding out about jobs in one of those organisations which Kerry was talking about, the ones who unfortunately find it difficult to recruit apprentices. Bridget will be speaking to Siobhan Taylor-Ward, a solicitor at the Vauxhall Law Centre in Liverpool, so don't miss any of that. You can find more episodes on Apple, Spotify and Acast and everywhere that you can find good podcasts. Make sure to like, review and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our new episodes. You and friends can find us on Instagram. Just search Not All Lawyers Pod and use the hashtag Not All Lawyers. Please do get in touch. We'd love to hear your questions. This has been Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees from the BBC Legal Team. 